It's Monday the 13th of May 2019. My name's Alex Elliott and you're listening to The Week in Iceland, the programme that asks what's been happening in Iceland this week, why it happened and why we should care. I'm joined this week by Claudie Ashoni-Wilson, District Court Attorney, Attorney sorry, and by Sigrid Hagalin Björnsdottir, author and broadcast journalist here at Rove. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Now, it's been uh, one of those weeks without a single clear news thread running through it, but a lot has been going on. Uh, for example, a Reykjavik school suffered major fire damage this weekend and is closed to all students today. Men apparently caused 14 out of 15 fatal traffic accidents last year, uh, it has been revealed. Reykjavik plans to halve the number of fuel stations in the city in the next six years as part of its climate plan. Um, But will that be enough to save the country's glaciers that have lost an area eight times the size of Iceland's largest lake in just 18 years? Parliament will vote today on its controversial abortion bill uh, that has seen unusually charged scenes in the debating chamber. The recent new wage and conditions contract that came into effect at the beginning of this month has reportedly already led to a raft of price rises and one hotel chain apparently cut its staff back to minimum wage as a result. Um, Iceland took over as chair of the Arctic Council for the next two years. And apparently most immigrants are unhappy about the provision of Icelandic language lessons in the country, a study has revealed. So, uh, where should we begin? Um, Well, we could start with uh, uh, Icelandic language lessons. Mm. Um, I I think it doesn't really surprise me. No, me. uh, (laughs) that they're unhappy about the way Icelandic is being taught. Uh, but uh, um, I, I, I think there is a, um, I don't know, I, th- I think, I think the, the nation, the people here, have, they're, they're very unwilling to, to speak Icelandic to immigrants and to foreigners. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so, so I think it's sort of like an, an, an ingrained problem here that we have a, a problem sharing our language with other people I don't know mm-hmm. what, if, if that's your if that's your experience mm-hmm. uh, yeah I I am uh, not surprised that so many are unhappy with the the language course or how it's being taught um, I look for example perhaps maybe because of how much it costs to take these courses and then one of the other issue I, I seem to uh, notice is that um, uh, most people don't know that it can be reimbursed by their labor union. So having to take time off from work mm-hmm. often to take these courses, which, uh, for example, one course cost about 34,000 mm. Icelandic uh, for a 40 hour course or 60 hour. And uh, like I said, uh, some of these uh, allow uh, for you know reimbursement by the trade unions, which is about seventy-five percent. So, not having this knowledge that you can actually get this reimbursed, perhaps that weighs into uh, how much you have to pay yeah. and perhaps how little. Uh, uh, I, myself, I have experience of of uh, taking Icelandic courses back in this a long time ago. I won't say <coughs> eighteen years, <coughs> uh, but. But I remember it was, uh, I'm not sure I was uh, very satisfied with it at that time. I felt I could have done better on my own, which I did. Uh, And so I just took the first course and then stopped. Um, What I found was that I learned more Icelandic um, taking regular courses. For example, I did, uh, I I went to um, the community college in South Iceland, Mm -hmm. uh, Fjölbreytaskóli Sjölands. And uh, I made the the decision to 
uh, quit the Icelandic course for foreigners and and studied um, business and economics uh, in Icelandic. So uh, that was something that I decided to do rather than to take these specialized courses for immigrants. That must have been so hard I, to start with. Uh, to be fair, yes. But then... Um, I found that uh, the teachers were uh, very uh, helpful. Um, they they wanted uh, somehow. I felt that they they were very supportive of me doing it that way. Um, I, for example, uh, received um, uh, when I did regular Icelandic studies. Then I would have gotten the the. Um, uh, tapes to listen to from the Society for the Blind yeah, okay. uh, in the library and things like that. So I felt that there were more effort mm-hmm. uh, for me to understand Icelandic in order to uh, pursue this course that I was doing rather than just learning about uh, here is a pencil or <laughs> here is a dish. Um, yeah. So that was more useful to me mm-hmm. and I found that to be the case obviously because I benefited from it. I could move on to university uh, after that to study law here in Iceland. So yeah. yeah. Two of the mm-hmm. things I found interesting from this report, first of all, was that people are not necessarily unhappy with the provision of the Icelandic language courses. Mm-hmm. They're out there and they're mm-hmm. available. It's mm-hmm. that the quality of those lessons is necessarily very high. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, mm-hmm. which you mentioned actually, is that there isn't a great correlation between how much, le- how many lessons you've taken and how good you are at Icelandic. Mm-hmm. That's strange, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that. Yeah, I, I saw that, that there is no um, assessment of that, uh, like a follow-up, and people are unhappy with that. Um, uh, you have, uh, obviously, there are different um, uh, institutions or, or, you know, that accredited um, institution that are teaching Icelandic. I don't know the quality, bet- if, if it differs between uh, those institutions, um, but I do see that the method is different. Um, for example, you have one uh, tin can factory and then you have yeah. Mimir and then you have yeah. Multikulti. Mm. Uh, I found that, uh, and, I, and I say this because I see it when um, uh, my clients who have to show um, proficiency in Icelandic, they bring the certificates. It's a little different. Different yeah, uh, yeah. between those schools, yeah. I, I, I remember when I moved to uh, Denmark uh, in the beginning of this century, <coughs> 2001. Um, there, there were available classes, like by the by the by the city of Copenhagen, mm-hmm. that provided classes, and you didn't really have to pay for them. Mm-hmm. Almost everybody went there, mm-hmm. and they had so many levels of of because I knew a little Danish yeah. because we learned Danish here in, mm-hmm. in, in at school when we were children. Uh, so, so I didn't have to go to the, you know, elementary class, mm-hmm. but they had like almost up to university level. You could just sort of pick, mm-hmm. pick a level. So, do you, do you think expectations change with cost? Like, or is it, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Be- well, because you pay here, are people expecting more? Yeah. Or? Yeah, well, it's it's one of the uh, which I've noticed uh, from the the researchers who um, who uh, uh, researched this issue uh, that they were talking about. You know, if it would be more beneficial to go to uh, the Nord the the Norwegian model mm. or which is its free courses which mm. provided by yeah, the state. Exactly. So, uh, like I said, perhaps uh, that could have an impact. And again, if Persons are aware that the trade unions reimburse these up to 75%. Perhaps yeah. that could have an impact on how people see that. So, yeah, I would expect if I'm paying 34000 for a course that, yes, uh, I have high expectations of what is, uh, you know, the, the quality of the course that is uh, I think provided. actually Scandinavians, mm-hmm. they might see it that if, mm-hmm. if it's provided by the state or by the, by the, by the city, mm-hmm. uh, then... then um, 
you would expect it to be better. You would mm-hmm. expect it to be like mm-hmm. on a public school level oh, okay. or university level mm-hmm. or something like that because yeah. it's like a, a public service yeah. uh, and and just like healthcare or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Just because yeah. it's you know provided right. by like, the state yeah. it doesn't really have to be worse yeah. than a I'm, private. I'm glad place. you mentioned that because there's a cultural uh, nuance to that because. If I'm I'm from Jamaica, and I would expect that the services provided by private individuals <laughs> yeah. would be better than those provided by the public. So again, there might be some cultural, uh, you know, yeah. um, effects there. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I imagine if Iceland changed over to that mm-hmm. system, it mm-hmm. would probably be state subsidies to mm-hmm. the existing mm-hmm. providers. I Precisely. Guess. Yeah. 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 Okay. Anything else, or should we move on? Oh, fine with me. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Next topic. Um, where should we go from there? Sika, you mentioned energy. Yeah, uh, because um, for me, it was a week with one clear news threat. It was the third energy package. And I'm a journalist here at Roof, and I've been trying to avoid uh, <laughs> reading about the third energy package. It sounds sounded so terribly complicated. and, and I, I, I Just for the record, me too. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but uh, I need to to sort of uh, get informed about it this last last week because of an interview I was making, and it was it was quite it actually turned out to be much more interesting than I thought it would be, because uh, there is this central debate here in Iceland that seems to have come directly from Norway, where they had Norway is also part of the EEA sort of uh, annexed to the to the mm. EU. And um, there's this debate whether the third energy package um, is a breach of uh, our uh, constitution, because in that way the EU is making decisions about how we... Uh, Utilise energy. Yeah, how, how, how we use our energy. Uh, and it seems that it's turning into this debate about whether we should belong to the EEA or not, the, the European Economic Area, or not. And uh, I can't remember a time when we were not a part of the European Economic Area. It's such mm-hmm. a big part of mm-hmm. daily life here. And uh, now there is, for the first time, it seems, in, in decades, there's this real debate about whether we should be a part of the EEA or not. Just cut these ties to, to Europe and, and try our own private Brexit or something like that, <laughs> which is uh, quite interesting. And um, I think that this, because, because the third energy package doesn't really seem to make that much of a difference in how we uh, provide and use our energy mm. uh, when it comes to it. But it seems to be, that the debate seems to be sort of morphing into something else about, you know, whether we should belong to the European cooperation or not. Isn't that kind of the sense that certain sectors of politics in this country always tried to turn anything about Europe into that question? <laughs> yes, but this is, I don't know, I, I've, I've been a journalist for 20 years and uh, I can't remember a time when we were actively debating whether we should be a part of the European economic area or not. Mm-hmm. And now there is actually a, a now no, no, you can actually hear those voices even in, in Parliament. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I must say that uh, you know I've paid uh, not as much attention to this uh, d- d- debate on the um, third energy package, uh, but I agree with you that you know there is this uh, growing opposition uh, towards this, which has morphed mm. into something else. Mm. Uh, we saw the recent poll, which says that um, up to 80% of uh, those who took part in the poll were opposed to um, transferring uh, more of the authority of Iceland's energy over to the EU. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it's uh, it's definitely, you know, gone into that debate of, mm-hmm. of you know, who is our sovereignty or Iceland's sovereignty. Um, I do state, however, you know, at this time we... There are a lot of rules and regulations that we follow, which are from the EU, which yeah. we have to, um, you know, transpose into Icelandic uh, Icelandic law. Mm. Uh, and so, for the most part, we are, yeah. you know, in in line with uh, the laws and regulations of the EU. So it's a question: Is it too late to have that discussion, or yeah. um, because we are already following that? Uh, I know that you know when uh, just after the crisis there was a lot of debate about whether we should enter the EU formally or or just stay as is, and that also met quite a bit of opposition. Mm-hmm. One of the issue that was uh, on the table or seemed to be difficult to resolve was the um, uh, the control over Iceland's uh, natural resources and the yeah. fishery and all of that. So, I think this is somewhat of a similar debate again. Uh, persons are becoming more informed as mm. to what it entails when you transfer certain uh, rights or you know follow the the rules of the EU. So I think that's the same thing that we're having again. Yeah. Um, and and you know with this uh, growing, um, I would say, uh, it's a worldwide um, uh, somewhat of a growing stance that uh, people want to maintain sovereignty and control of not just borders but natural resources so it's not just Iceland who is doing this it seems to be like a shift in the world in general when it comes to you know uh, protection of sovereignty yeah Yeah. Yeah. when it comes to the third energy package specifically I understand that in most European countries it was viewed as kind of a minor formality it was not controversial Mm -hmm. and it was also implemented in 2013 yeah. So why is it so late here, and why is it causing so much hassle? Uh, I think it's because most m- most of all because because uh, we are not a part of the EU. Obviously, we're part of the e- European Economic Area, and these three countries—Norway, Liechtenstein, and Iceland—lagged uh, behind a little. Uh, but it was approved in uh, Norway and Liechtenstein last year, mm. and now it's here. But some of the Debate that that was sparked in 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 Norway about it seemed to have sort of been transferred to here, and most of it is very. I mean, Norway obviously has huge energy resources, and they can uh, transfer it to to Europe without that much. They have all that oil, and they have cables to 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 the mainland. Mm. But we don't have that. We don't have an undersea cable, submarine cable, to transfer electricity to 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 Europe so the debate is uh, theoretical in that mm-hmm. and there is a, now there seems to be a, a mutual understanding between uh, the EU and Iceland that we maintain our uh, sovereignty um, I haven't been following that well up on, on those those last latest developments but but uh, it seems that if 
Iceland had uh, raised its voice earlier in the process while this was still being sort of uh, negotiated. Ne- negotiated at the time. We could have changed things and we could have backed out of it without that much trouble. But but now it's a little bit too late, they say. Mm. Uh, Do you know anything about the the second energy package? Have we got that already? Yeah, we we got the first and the second. Yeah. I I think it's mostly about um, about free trade, uh, about uh, about uh, uh, yeah that that consumers can can pick their energy provider and and so forth. So it doesn't really apply that much here because because uh, we're basically Isolation. stuck with what we what we have. So mm-hmm. so these are like European rules that are being implemented in Iceland, but mm-hmm. maybe. Uh, don't have that much, do not have that much impact as it is. Okay, well, from one energy source to another, maybe we could talk about the the plan to halve the number of filling stations in Reykjavik. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because that one's been uh, quite well received, I think, Mm -hmm. by the public, Mm -hmm. even though, you know, a lot of us drive cars. But halving the number within the next six years, Mm -hmm. it seems like a doable option. And they're doing this for green, for climate reasons. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean... Will it make a difference to emissions, or will people just go to the next petrol station along? <laughs> <Or, I don't laughs> no, just to mean longer yeah. lines yeah. For, for the petrol. I was actually quite surprised to hear that uh, they spoke to uh, one of the CEOs of the oil companies here, and he was actually very happy about this. Yeah, you know? I saw that too. Yeah, yes. I, I was sort of surprised. Well, they sell more fuel per mm-hmm. staff hour, maybe, yeah. if it's busier. <laughs> yeah, probably, oh, yeah. but it's also perhaps because they're trying to to change the energy into mm-hmm. something more sustainable mm-hmm. so yeah yeah i saw that too and uh, i'm uh, i'm with you i was very surprised at the reaction and i think uh, perhaps that's an indication that people are aware of the urgency mm-hmm. to 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 you know change uh, the the trajectory <laughs> of wh- how we're going with when it comes to uh, reducing you know um Uh, greenhouse emission, mm-hmm. um, and so uh, I mean we've uh, we've seen it not so long ago. It was in the news about uh, the effects uh, of the on the glaciers, mm-hmm. um, the Snæfell circle, as you uh, mentioned before, that it's uh, reduced by what uh, so many I don't remember the percentage, but uh, eight times the size of of um, the Thingvellir, largest mm-hmm. lake. Right? Yeah. yeah, that's all of the glaciers in the country. It, right. Uh, yeah. Right. Which so, I mean. It's, That's a massive area. I, I think so. Yeah. So it's it's uh, again it's it's you know an indication that uh, there is a sense of urgency. Of course, we know about the action plan mm. uh, from the government last year yeah. uh, to reduce by two thirds, uh, reduced um, uh, to have only electric cars and and hybrid cars for 2030. Um, I've also noticed that some uh, researchers are saying, well, that's a bit far away. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to do something now. They're worried about the date, the deadline yeah. that it's. It's too far. So, uh, for the city of Reykjavik to be taking certain steps, and and they had this plan to do it in ten years, but that was cut into half now yeah. to do it um, in the next in the next five six years. Mm. So, uh, and for you know it to have that positive uh, feedback from even persons or providers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's it. That's a good. That's, in, that's, that's good. amazing. Yeah, yeah, for me, I think that's really good. Mm-hmm. What's the what's the legal framework behind it though? I mean, they're private businesses operating on private premises. Mm-hmm. Does does the city really have? Should the city really have a voice in in that? 
Uh, I, to be fair, I don't know uh, too much about you know the legal fl- framework of that. Um, mm. That's not my uh, area of expertise. But um, these are, of course, yes, private organizations, and if uh, y- if there are no uh, legal framework to to uh, to stop this, mm. then a corporation with the company and and the the government is necessary. And like I said, if they are uh, they're willing. Obviously, they they've given you know their positive feedback to this change. Uh, it's clear that they themselves recognize the urgency mm-hmm. and want to do something. Uh, now, if Iceland is, for example, um, changing the laws um, to meet its uh, goal, uh, 2030 goal, that would um, obviously um, put these uh, providers or, you know, uh, gas, gasoline and, and petroleum providers into that position of having to change uh, their work rules as well or what they are entitled to do. Mm. Um, you know, so, yeah, so I think that uh, once the laws change, uh, then that will have an impact on what they can do. I can mention, for example, with plastic bags, you know that the law uh, banning plastic comes into effect on 1st of July. Uh, private companies are entitled to use these, but then the law becomes the law of the land, and so yeah. they have to follow that. So it would be the same for... Um, gas providers, yeah. Mm. It must be. And it sort of makes sense. I mm-hmm. mean, there are gas stations everywhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. You, you mm-hmm. can't drive for for half a mm-hmm. kilometre without mm-hmm. running into one. So, so yeah. it's true. Yeah. And yeah, they're, they're not true. always very busy. No. Everyone seems to be going to Costco right now. Yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> That's always busy. Yeah. That is. Yeah. Even, even without the um, energy change to electric and hybrid cars, they're petrol cars are more efficient now than they've ever been and they go further yeah um, at the same time it's really interesting uh, the first um, cruise liners are, are arriving uh, in the harbor here in Reykjavik mm. and there was a message on, on the Facebook group of my neighborhood uh, just this weekend that uh, now the first ship had arrived and it was polluting like 100,000 cars you know just spewing mm. spewing uh, pollution over the neighborhood uh, because they're not using electricity they don't mm-hmm. have the, mm-hmm. the the infrastructure to to tap mm-hmm. into the electricity here in, in mm-hmm. Reykjavik so they have to burn oil yeah. mm-hmm. while they're at at, at, at the harbor and it's amazing mm-hmm. how much these things pollute yeah. in one day yeah. and when it's really busy uh, in summers when we have like mm-hmm. a yeah, few almost cruise liners here, then it's more than all the cars in, in the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't mm-hmm. it? I used to live in uh, in Isafjörður, yeah. and the basin, the, the mountains form this sort of basin, and yeah. on a very still day, you can just see the cloud of cruise ship pollution, yeah. mm-hmm. and it doesn't go anywhere. No. Yeah. yeah, I think, you know, um, <clears throat> Iceland is in a very unique position in terms of being able to, uh, you know, uh, go from using gas to... Um, electricity uh, because you know we have the resource for it so I think um, you know we talk about which is a completely different separate topic but um, equality paradise mm-hmm. we kind of are in a similar situation when it comes to energy consumption because we have these geothermal plants and all of that so uh, we should be able to get there faster than many other mm-hmm. countries I would presume yeah, yeah. I don't I, I don't have any figures for this but people say 
don't fly because it's bad for the environment. So a lot of people are probably like, well, I'll take a cruise instead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Much better for the environment. Yeah. Okay, um, we don't have a massive amount of time left, so should we maybe move on to a, a, another topic quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know where you'd like to go. There was the, the road traffic accidents. There was the um, wage rises that have led to price rises. Shock mm. there. <laughs> the Arctic Council or the uh, or the abortion bill. Or, of course, the school catching yeah. fire. The abortion bill. It's actually uh, one piece of news story that I, I sort of... Uh, I, I really... I can't do news about this <laughs> subject because uh, um, I have... My my uh, opinion is too strong about this. But, uh, <laughs> I think most I, people's are on one side or the yeah, other. Yeah, I, I just I, I I I get really irritated when sort of middle-aged men want to have opinions yeah. about how yeah. women and when they should yeah. be pregnant and not. It's just yeah. I know it's a it's a really emotional debate and and all of that. But I think that because this uh, bill it comes out of the hospital, it's the people who are actually working with the most difficult cases who have seen all the joy and all the horror that can you know be related to to pregnancies and 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 birth mm. and the doctors and the midwives at the hospital are the ones who sort of gave the most input into the bill that's being um, passed today so i don't think when when politicians go up in in parliament and start talking about you know their their Christian beliefs, and that's why they can't pass the bill. Then, I, I, I don't really think it's. It doesn't really apply in a liberal society. I think that mm. the, the the level of this discourse in Parliament, I think, has been different to what we what we're used to in our thinking, hasn't it? Mm. It's, yeah, it's, I mean, as uh, Sika said, it's an emotional subject, um, and so you know, uh, and it's a question: uh, what is a whim, a, what is a, a, what are women's rights? Um, and and like Sika, I'm I'm somewhat you know um, having a difficult time uh, with this uh, this discussion because I do have my strong opinions on that, and I find that perhaps they will shock people how what I think because I consider myself a very liberal person. Um, but uh, I think part of the debate is that you know at uh, the the bill basically um, allows or or you know. Uh, uh, allows uh, women to terminate their pregnancy up to 22 weeks without giving any reason at all for having made that decision. And the current uh, level is 16? 16 weeks, yes. Yeah, but yeah. after that there is a committee that can make yeah. the decision. Right, you know? right. If, mm-hmm. if, it, if it is medical uh, yeah. emergency or, or there's something wrong with it or if there's risk to fetus or, or mother. Um, and so this is uh, perhaps, you know, the, the part that uh, some people are uh, against that, you know, uh, when the when the fetus is 22 weeks, it's it's you know a fully developed uh, baby at that stage, and so it's the the question is um, you know of course it's your body you should be able to make any decision you want about your body, um, and, and like I said it's uh, I don't know it's just a, a difficult subject for me, <laughs> yeah. and so yeah. But it's also uh, because I, th- I think basically the bill is about uh, putting into uh, into law what has been practiced here for the last uh, 40 years or so. Because although, you know, there there have been, you had to, had to give a reason 
for for having an abortion, uh, economic or or, or social or, or social or, or, or whatever. Uh, and then there was this committee after the 16th week mm. that would basically give pass pass everybody through who who needed an abortion after mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what they're putting they're putting into law what has been practiced, and uh, and they're giving all the power over to the woman. Mm-hmm. The woman should decide for herself. And there was this interview, I think it was last night, yeah, with this woman who was describing how she had she had to have an, an an abortion after after the twenty first week or something I like saw that. that yeah. Because there was a, a really bad uh, malformation in the brain or mm-hmm. something like that. I the child that, would yeah. never have gained consciousness mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. So she had to go through this process of applying to a committee mm-hmm. that uh, that allowed her to have to terminate a pregnancy that she knew would never cause mm-hmm. anything else than harm, mm-hmm. and and she said that it was a it was a very difficult feeling to know that this was not in her power. Mm-hmm. There were some people, you know, mm-hmm. sitting mm-hmm. somewhere in an office or making the decision for mm-hmm. her, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I, I, I could really relate to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but in the case of, um, because again, the, the bill does two things. It does allow women to uh, terminate their pregnancy up to 22 weeks without giving any reason at all mm-hmm. for that termination. And then after 22 weeks, then you go back again to this committee. So what it does is extend the 16 weeks to 22 weeks now. Mm-hmm. Um, so the question is, uh, there's a, a situation of a woman having a healthy pregnancy, healthy, uh, you know, baby or fetus, and just makes the decision at 21 weeks, okay, I don't want to do this. Well, what kind of a woman would do that? That's the question. So, yeah. so, but yeah. do you understand what, yeah. I, what I'm saying? That's what the bill uh, allows yeah. for. I think, I think, I, I think, think it's just a, yeah. uh, uh, I think this is a, uh, this is a, uh, a way for the most mm-hmm. extreme cases. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's basically what yeah, it is. Right. So for me, I, I sort of I have a tendency to trust the mm-hmm, professionals mm-hmm, in this case. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I, I completely agree. I'm just saying what the why the debate is shifting yeah. to to yeah. what it is because uh, some people will, will or you know. Uh, for some persons, they believe that some mm. women would abuse it, and you're correct. I mean, the question is very valid. What you know, in what world would a woman, having carried a baby for 21 weeks, just yeah, decide? She, she okay, I don't want to. You know? Yeah, <laughs> um, yes, but it's a difficult subject to discuss. It's, it's, a, it's a very, and everybody has yeah, yeah strong I opinions about it. Uh, 100% a woman's right to choose what yeah. you know she and does actually, with her body. And it's yeah. actually interesting. I saw a map, mm-hmm. a world map, and it turns out that Iceland has one. One of the most illiberal, uh, illiberal legislations about mm-hmm. abortions mm-hmm. in the northern part of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I think yeah, there's only Finland and Great Britain that has uh, similar laws to us, mm-hmm. but it's more free uh, everywhere else, and and even in the. In even Ireland? in the even in America, <laughs> yeah, <but laughs> because I, yeah, because they was, don't have to give a reason. Yeah, uh, it's not so long that Ireland became part of. The, yeah, because exactly. it was for a long time very conservative. Yeah, uh, but but it's also uh, but it's also uh, uh, funny because, as you said, mm. Icelanders believe themselves to be you know mm. most one of the most feminist countries in the world, and we still have this mm. old-fashioned uh, mm-hmm. legislation. 
This is a really interesting chat, and I would love to carry on. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I would. Um, but we are out of time. Um, the Week in Iceland will return to roof.as forward slash English, Roof English on Facebook, to the Roof app, and as a podcast next Monday afternoon, the 20th of May. For now, it's thanks to my guests, Claudie Ashoni Wilson and Sigga Hagalin as well as to Lydia Grietasdottir for running the studio. Don't forget, it's Eurovision week, and Iceland will perform in the first semi-final tomorrow evening, Tuesday the 14th of May. I'll be presenting live English-language television coverage on Roof 2, and I very much hope to see you there. Given the special occasion, we are ignoring the chart this week, and here is Hatari to play us out. Bye for now. Yeah, I